Hey, okay, so I should be holding a nicely typed sheet of paper here, which we use for the show tease. So why am I holding this handwritten chicken scratch from my producer, Rob? Because he procrastinated writing the tease and had to... (laughs) That's okay. He had to write it by hand. So guess what we're talking about on the show today? Procrastination and uh, fixing the crazy procrastination puzzle. That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show after the news with Samuel Mikal. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Emergency crews are still working to find survivors of yesterday's massive tornado which tore through the city of Moore, Oklahoma. Officials lowered the death toll to 24 earlier today and confirmed more than 100 people have been rescued. A federal appeals court ruled today photos of Osama bin Laden's corpse will remain top secret. The three-judge panel ruled unanimously the photos are too inflammatory to release to the public. Former IRS Chief Douglas Shulman says he knew nothing of the unfair targeting of conservative groups when he left the position last November. Shulman says he found out about the biased practices at the same time as everyone else through the news. With criticism growing over the Justice Department's probes into how media outlets learn classified information, President Obama affirmed today he is against the prosecution of journalists who are just trying to do their jobs. A national atheist group is working to get atheist books placed alongside Bibles in cabins in Georgia state parks. Georgia's governor recently held the Bibles should remain on the vacation properties despite complaints from the group. In world news, as some of the worst fighting of the year rages in Syria, both sides seem to be preparing to attend an international peace conference aimed at ending the conflict. With Iranian-backed Hezbollah fighters now assisting regime President Bashir Assad, fears the war will spread are once again growing. With support from British Prime Minister David Cameron, a measure to legalize same-sex marriage in England and and Wales has passed in the lower house of parliament. Cameron says he hopes same-sex marriage ceremonies can begin as soon as next summer. New policy in India bans the use of captive dolphins for entertainment purposes excuse me, throughout the country. The ministry responsible for the decision says dolphins should be considered non-human persons due to their high level of intelligence. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. You're dying for me to come in, aren't you? Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, everybody. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your relationship coach. You may have noticed I just delayed my um, my entree. Is that entree? What do we call that? Entree is a meal. That's food. That's my food. En- my entrance. My intro. I delayed coming in to the show because um, today we're talking about procrastination, and I wanted to see what Skyboy would do, and he got all fidgety. Got all shaky in the hands. His eyes started to cross and his tan body. (laughs) I don't know what we're talking about. Welcome to the show, everybody. Procrastination. Are you somebody that dilly-dallies? Are you a sky boy? Sky, go ahead and talk. Oh, you're you're procrastinating? Yeah, I was going to procrastinate a little bit. Are you a dilly-dallier? I am a dilly-dallier. Do you dawdle? I dawdle a lot. Really? Yeah. What does dawdle mean? 
I don't know. <laughs> but it's, I it's a travel show that comes on in a few hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eric Doddle My, show. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think the problem is in the end? We don't know what half these words are. Have you ever um, lagged? La- I lagged because I made it made sense right there. Uh, are you pokey? Um, sometimes my hair gets a little pokey. Nope, not even close. Okay. Uh, limp along. When I've had knee surgeries. We're just limp limping along. along. The yeah. show's limping along. That's what they've been telling us upstairs. You're limping along, folks. Do you linger? Do you loiter? Do you linger longer? Isn't that those social events? Those are the social events you guys go hang out at trying to find some ladies. Like it's a it's a linger longer. Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know. They're never fun. They're like, it's a linger longer. It's an avoiding. I'm avoiding it. The idea that you've already been at church talking to people for three hours and it hasn't worked, so why don't you hang out another hour? (laughs) What we're going to do is we're going to give you a half hour more to linger longer. And then everybody focus on finding And then if you don't all have dates by the end of that, we will linger linger even longer. (laughs) No, they have to call it something else. That's called a hostage situation. Yeah, that's that is that is a hostage situation. Um, that could be called the de- the delay date, the delay dating opportunity. The this is the de- this is the drag. You're you're dragging it out. I'm trying to come up with a new word than linger longer. Hmm. I think no dragging it out. I think that's worse, but still better. How about mosey mating? No, that's not mosey's bad. another yeah, word. It keeps for, the alliteration. Yeah. I want an alliteration. How about the slack off standoff? How about the slacker standoff? No, that that implies action. That doesn't really work. Where did you find this 1918 dictionary? Isn't this great? These are all other, these are just different words for procrastination. Right? See, so what's funny is I bet most of us have never known that our grandma was telling us that we're procrastinators because she used all these other words. And that's why the lesson never stuck. Yeah. Now, by the way, for example, creep. Creep means something else in my ver- in my vernacular. I thought she was talking about some, you know the beard. Yeah, that guy that's kind of a creep. No, I guess apparently it's it it it's a slow creep. The show, for example, is a slow creep. It just slowly creeps. Yeah, I don't think Skyboy is a creep, but a lot of our fan mail says that. Um, loiter. Terry, meander, mosey, just good words for you. We're talking procrastination, and apparently a lot of people have trouble with this. Uh, I don't know, like my entire family. Try getting a family out of the house. We have two kids. We have three kids that get up at six, and none of them get out of bed, it seems like. They all just wait and wait and wait then one gets up because he's the one that's got to drive, and then the rest just wait. And it's just maddening. And then my wife's like, come on, get up. Procrastinate, procrastinate. Till guess what? I can't take it. Then I go upstairs, and I go ninja. You want to stop procrastination? Call me in to go ninja. You'll never be the same. Like ninja stars going everywhere. Hi-ya! Couch ups on the floor and then yeah. you're poking your feet all the get time. Up, get up, get up, get You'll up. You'll wake up. Yeah. You have to be. It's something. There's something in the water. Something's, something's going on. I just caught Skyboy <laughs> mid-yawn right there. I mean, Sky, I'm talking about procrastination, and you're just so lethargic. In fact, right before the show, we're going on, and your whole computer's collapsing. And you're trying to perform CPR on your computer. And there's updates that haven't been updated. Yes. Six weeks ago. 
I'm usually not supposed to like mess with that computer. Hopefully, yeah. it just runs. Well, it took a hit. It, it took a big hit. It took it? a big hit, and you went down. <laughs> we but did. See, go that's down, that's yeah. the problem with an on-air computer. It runs Windows. It gets updates just like your computer at home does. But we have to use the computer to be on the radio, so we have to keep procrastinating the updates. You're justifying your procrastination. Well, I think it seems reasonable. You know, I mean, there are seven other on-air computers, aren't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many people can really be on air? Come on. One. Uh, Only when you're six. here. <laughs> Rude. Um, <laughs> anyway, isn't that funny? So are even our computer systems collapse because of procrastination? Not yours, Skyboy, but somebody. Uh, who Who's in charge of that? Don't name names. I'm, I'm just, just writing them down using wanna... it right now. We're on the air downstairs with our engineering staff, and they're listening going, okay, next commercial break. We're getting up there and loading We're those so... updates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're going to pull everything out from under us. No, but it's just funny because every one of us procrastinate. I personally, I don't do anything until something screams at me to do it. So, something or someone. Yes. That's why we're married because she helps me get stuff done. Did get, you call your wife a thing? No, I didn't. I did not just call my wife a thing. She's a beautiful gift from heaven who keeps me on time and focus. And get stuff done, Matt. What don't What don't you like to do? What do you just love to procrastinate? Mm-hmm. Are you serious? I'm serious. What do you love? Like everything, all of it, all of the things. I actually, I in my head, I know this isn't true, but in my head, if I don't think about it, it's not happening. So <laughs> you're right. That's not true. But at the same time, but it makes you're sense. not wrong. No. So my, for example, my w- daughter's wedding dinner. I had a speech, I guess, to make. I just kept pretending like it's not happening. I did not – nobody said anything, but I was sure I was probably going to say something. And I never thought about it until literally we were driving up to the event. And then I said, so am I saying something? And they're like, yeah. How much time do I need to spend? Not very much. You're like, oh, okay, good. Perfect. I got this. And for the first time in your professional career of speaking and being on the TV and on the radio, you stood up in a crowd full of people and went, <laughs> <laughs> No, see, and my, my, it down. actually works better for me if I haven't thought it out. It just works better. Is that procrastinating or is that just me being super effective? Or is that just me delaying? I'm just delaying. That's scary. That's how I do this show. Do you think I thought about this show at all today? Wait, you're the wrong person to ask. Totally. We're the right people to ask. You guys have been thinking, though. <laughs> You've actually thought about this show. I just showed up. Boom. Don't even know. We handed you over four sheets of paper to help you out today. Yes, you did. And uh, Dilly Dally was one of them. Yeah. So I hope not to stall. I mean, I don't want to stall the show or postpone our progress. I don't want that. Um, but we're talking about procrastination. This is not my area. That's why we have a pro coming in. And here you go yawning again. Skyboy. It's just every time at this, every day at this time, that's when I get really tired. You get real bored, don't you? <laughs> what is the deal? It's like, but then you just, you just open that mouth up. You're like begging me to throw something. You haven't yet, though. I try, but I don't have anything to throw that would like not hurt you. We need to give Matt like tater tots to throw. Tater tots. <laughs> I need He's a like, bucket of tater yawn. tots. Yawn. Probably right eat them. We right said the that. We've said that before that I need something to throw. And again, I think we've procrastinated getting it. And we always procrastinate until after I need to throw it. It's frustrating. 
If you, you see through tater tots at me, that would solve two of my problems. It would probably wake me up because you're throwing things at me, Yeah, and it would feed me well, so I wouldn't be hungry. you'd lose an eye because I'm a horrible not, shot. Not tater tots. I need something to throw, and I need to assign it to somebody. Who do we want to do that, Robbie? I need something gentle to throw at his mouth when he opens it because pa- Merritt does it too once in a while. You know, He saves the paper for when I go on air after his show, so you can't use paper. Let's go with marshmallows. Oh, Still we need food. Little baby marshmallows, except we can't have food in here. Oh yeah. We could probably get permission from marshmallows. Have hardly count as food. Oh, good point. Good, good point, Merritt. That is a great point. I mean, it's probably. I don't think it's been proved proven with research. What is a marshmallow? Good point. It's a mallow of marsh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, procrastinate that bad boy. Somebody run over. Who has money? Whoever has money, run over (laughs) to that store and get me some marshmallows. Who has money? We all look at Matt. We're like person (laughs) with a salary kind of. Oh, you mean employed person. Um, Okay. Okay. I get it. He has outside interests that generate If you do get the marshmallows, get the colorful ones. I like those more. Hey, you don't get to choose. (laughs) If your mouth is gaping open... I get to throw whatever I want, but I'm going to throw marshmallows. But I'm, I'm guessing of, you're going to eat some of the marshmallows. True that. Don't you want the colorful ones? I do. Okay. So you just sold me on my own idea of how I'm going to get you back. Okay. If we've drifted this far from procrastination <laughs> as a topic, can I talk about snacking Can I just tell you really fast, that's why you shouldn't procrastinate, because you drift. Procrastinators drift. Did you see how far we drifted? But we did look, learn look a lot. Look how much we got done. Though. We were we in a, a lot whole other river. Well, drifting. we didn't know, but here's the fact. Nobody yet has gone to go get the marshmallows. I have just completed assigning a task, and I have no money. And I told you, I'll do it later. <laughs> I have no cash. <laughs> I have a credit card. I can't send you all out with my credit card. That would be a huge mistake. Well, you just end up with a lot of marshmallows. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> a keg o' marshmallow. Um, so anyway... Uh, Rob, will you make sure this task gets done by tomorrow? Because I need something to throw in his mouth the next time he opens it. Sure, I'll I'll think about it tomorrow. That's my problem. (laughs) Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a a, um, responsibility chain. Bryce, I need you to remind Merritt. Merritt, you remind Rob tomorrow that I need a marshmallow bowl to throw at Skyboy. Everybody got the chain? Got it. Who are you talking to, Bryce? I'm talking to Merritt. Merritt, who are you going to talk to? I'm talking to Rob. Rob, what are you going to do? I'm going to forget to go buy the marshmallows. Because I don't have to remember now because Merritt will remind me. In the event before the show that Rob has not bought the marshmallows, will you remind Bryce to tell Merritt? I'll remind remind Bryce. That's actually a good plan because Skylar's in... He's in at the same time I am in the okay. morning. And then Merritt's going to show up around noonish. Now, if I have to bet on one person to make this happen, guess who I'm betting on? Not Skyboy. <laughs> Except he would like the marshmallows. We tried Skittles. That might work. Oh, uh, no. That'll break teeth. Don't do that. Hey, they're not my teeth. <laughs> but I'm going to trust Merritt. Merritt's going to do it. She will. Don't you think? Merritt, don't let me down. You've never procrastinated in your life, have you? I, I don't procrastinate anything except for sleep. That's true. Yeah. You got that problem, which makes you again yawn in the middle of my show. <laughs> I That's why I'm I yawning because she's right? yawning. You were yawning before you saw her yawning. Okay, don't lie. That's true. I was just lying <laughs> a little bit. Rob, these people need sugar before the show. You've got to do something about they that. They need a snack. 
Okay, let's talk about your snack story. <laughs> it's too good of a segue. I, how could I pass it's up? It's funny. On he finds one thing. He finds one thing, and he's not going to let it go until he brings it up. Bring no, it up. I thought this was cool. I was in psychology today. They're talking about diets and all this. Most most of this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But to get halfway through it, it says part of the reason we snack and cheat on a diet is procrastination. Hmm. It says your unconscious brain is very sneaky. It sometimes tells you you're hungry because it wants you to procrastinate because it knows if you take the time to go get a snack, you can put off doing what you don't want to do. I like that. That's midnight snacks right there. Is that what that's for? Well, that's midnight snacks if you've procrastinated your assignment till midnight. Then you go snack. You should have done your assignment at 6 p.m. Hmm? Your homework. My homework? You should have done it right after school. Hello, I've been telling my kids that forever. But they procrastinate till 10. And then at 10, they all need something. This is, That's a great point. They all come down. They're like, I really need a drink. I need a drink so bad. Dad, I'm parched. I need a drink. And I'm like, no drinks. Kitchen closed. The bar at our kitchen. Last call, 10 o'clock. Last call, 10 o'clock. They're well, like, Dad, I will die. I will die without water. I'm like, sprinklers are on. Get out there. Actually, you offer them all the bathroom water they want from the uh, yeah. faucet. Yeah. You know that the faucet in the bathroom never tastes as good as the kitchen faucet? Yeah. I, don't know, I never understood why. Well, but, <sighs> but then suddenly they're back, I'm not really that thirsty. I know. Well, see, they walk by the bathroom upstairs to get down to our downstairs <laughs> kitchen. And they're procrastinating going to bed. Well, now they're just using the walking as a procrastination. Yeah. Procrastination. It's not even the drink. No. They're just exactly. It takes. Yeah. That's where you have to scare them. And you're like, okay, someone's dying. You've got five seconds to get out of my face and get up in your bed. Go die somewhere else. Or, but we'll be dehydrated. They know the word dehydration. No, you won't. There's a, there's a bathroom upstairs. Drink out of the sink. There's two sinks for crying out loud. Tell them there's water in the washing machine and put them in the washing machine. I tell them they're going to do the dishes. There's water in the dishwasher. And they're gone. There you go. And then they're in my bedroom, in my bed. Because they're tired. I'm like, why are you tired? Well, we had to walk down to get water, and now we're tired. So now they cause another problem. See? I think it's, in, I think it's something about the mothering. <laughs> Passing the buck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, procrastination again. See, isn't that funny? We can all pass the buck. Here's some more things we procrastinate on. Let me just run these by you guys and see if you do any of these, okay? Any of you um, procrastinate your exercise? Yes. Yes. I actually will call friends and be like, hey, you're going to the gym. And they'll be all, oh, okay, I am. I'm like, yes, because if you go, then I have to go. Yeah. And call me. And you're going early. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Uh, cleaning out your closets, your drawers, or other cluttered spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. I don't have drawers. I don't have Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Cleaning out your space. bins. <laughs> your Rubbermaid bins. The that floor. Are that's bed. about all I have for a shelf. Oh, that's so sad. Cleaning or losing your weight. Losing weight. When I mean, honestly, when is losing weight important? I guess when you're dead. I and, like me just the way I are. In other words, I, I'm fine with my weight. Okay. Well, that was awkward. <sighs> Household cleaning. Any of you do that? That's actually what happens when I'm procrastinating. You go Everything clean gets instead. cleaned. Yeah. Everything but gets what, cleaned. Yeah, but your work that you're supposed to be doing doesn't. Preparing a will or other estate planning. I feel like a lot of these aren't important, important to college students. Well, yeah, that's because our audience has nothing to do with college students. Yeah, but you're asking us. 
No, I'm not. We're not waiting for us to, okay. I gave that up the minute Rob started singing. <laughs> he's asking us and we're answering, but he's not really asking us. Man, a Radio magic. You know what? I'm this close to going off. Going off air? Yeah. Because we probably should. It's almost time for a break, so. <clears throat> oh, hey. <laughs> Look who pipes up. Look who pipes up. <laughs> wow, someone's finally doing their job. Notice it took a minute and 37 seconds. A minute and 37 seconds. we put seconds. the clock there so you can go to break when you want to go to break. <sighs> I know, the it idea took a minute and 37 seconds <laughs> after when we normally go to break, and you're like, you know hey, what? something's wrong here. Here's the music. We're going out. We're going out right now. <laughs> I was waiting to see how long this would take. It took forever. Am I the only one that gets it? Let's go to break, Matt. We're going to break. We're talking procrastination. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's a gearhead's dream. Designing a robot bulldozer digger to mine the moon. We'll look at the challenges involved. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Almost everything we know about building earthbound mining equipment is wrong compared to what's needed on the moon. Engineers at the Kennedy Space Center are developing a future moon miner called Razor. Razor's job is mining for hidden water ice. It will remotely scoop and deliver lunar soil into a processor. The processor extracts water to make hydrogen rocket fuel and oxygen for future lunar colonists. Razors could also pile up lunar soil around human habitats as free shielding and insulation. Earth bulldozers would be too heavy for a rocket to launch to the moon, but a machine that's too light in lunar gravity can't push against the dirt called regolith. The Razor platform solves this problem using a double-ended approach with articulated drums containing scoops at each end of a machine perched on tank treads. One drum braces and provides the needed leverage while the other drum gets digging. Razor could have to run 16 hours a day for five years without a break. A service call is out of the question, so NASA needs to design it for high reliability. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome to 1962 in a town called Granite Flats where everyone is friendly and everything is normal. Almost. There are things that need to stay secret. You ever seen anything like this? Oh, sir, it's pretty space age. She thought it was aliens. Yes, she did. Holy cow. G-Men. Don't go getting paranoid on me, Johnny Sanders. Watch an all-new episode of Granite Flats this Sunday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain on BYU-TV. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Skyboy has got us back on time. Five minutes late. And uh, we're talking procrastination today because, you know... People apparently have the problem procrastinating. I wouldn't know better because that is the only way I do work is procrastinating. Skyboy uh, was about two minutes late on the last break. Uh, we're letting him time the show today. He's used to me kind of jumping in and looking at the clock. Matt, when have I ever had to give you like hand signs for much time? Well, I know. I was going to go on today. Today you did it. No, you didn't give me a hand sign. <laughs> you finally just freaked out. <laughs> So, uh, but here's the deal. Bryce, our very own Bryce Tobin, has apparently, I guess manifestos are turning very popular. People are writing manifestos now. And you've written a manifesto on, the pro- on procrastination. 
I most certainly have. It's quite, I mean, I'm like, I'm not going to hurt anyone, but it's a manifesto. Well, I can hardly wait to hear it. Here's Bryce Tobin's manifesto. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. The upsides of procrastination are all in your head. Every single one of them. Fact of the matter is, when you're procrastinating, you're not getting the job done. You probably aren't getting anything done. Or you might be getting something else done, but your deadline isn't interested in something else. You might tell yourself you work better under pressure or that you're only willing to work when there's pressure. Yeah, I'll say this now, but I want you to remember it through everything I have to say. Excuses are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one, and I don't want to hear about it. So when you say you work better under pressure, what does that mean? Are you saying you work faster? Because if you are, that's a misleading statement. When you only have three hours left to get something done, of course you get it done quickly. That's because there's no time left after that. Or are you saying the quality of your work is better? This is also misleading because we need a comparison. If you only ever procrastinate, then that's all we have to compare it with and that tells us nothing. How about you break character and do something well in advance? Because I have a feeling your work will tell a different story when you're able to take your time. And think about it. What are those long-term due dates about? Part of it's an assumption that the task will take a long time, but the other side is to give you time to try new ways to get things done or test something out and still have time to recover if it doesn't work out. Finished products are nice, but innovation is nicer. And when you procrastinate, you don't have time for innovation. Or you might tell yourself, I don't know where to start or it's too big to start. No, it's the same size. It'll always be that size. The only difference is right now, you have three days to do something big and the clock is not slowing down. Whatever it is, just start it. Right now you have nothing. Having something is better than nothing, but it's not as good as having the job done. But having something, especially if it's something bad, it'll give you direction into what's good, which is also something you don't have right now. And then if you do have time, you can make something good. This works except if it's too complex, because there's a difference between not knowing where to start and not knowing how to start. Not knowing how to start is problematic. If this is the case, feel free to break the task apart. That makes sense. But there's a catch. You can only break something apart if you have time. So like I said, just start it. Or the reason that makes no sense to me at all? It needs to be perfect. I shouldn't start unless I can make it perfect. Okay, I'm going to burst your bubble. It's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. So either drop this excuse to not work or just quit working altogether. In the end, only two things matter. Did you get the job done? And then was it done well? If you feel better or more productive or there's more of a thrill in the completion, that's nice. No, really it is. But once more, that's all in your head. And when you don't leave yourself any spare time, you don't have any time for damage control. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. That's a wonderful manifesto. I'm, I'm glad it was nice and gentle. What are your goals with your manifesto? Are you trying to change the world one procrastinator at a time? Most definitely. I mean, there was the uh, communist manifesto. Uh-huh. That uh, had a lot of play. It did have a lot of play. That people, a lot of fans. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did they sell those? Do you sell those? Oh, I don't know uh, if they. I think they just. I think people just passed them around in the dark, <laughs> secretly. Secretly passed them around. So, but the procrastination manifesto. You addressed a lot of issues. Perfectionism. A lot of the myths that I work better under pressure. Yeah, a lot of the bogus excuses that Is, people have for. Well, you seem it's not working. I, I, you call them bogus excuses. I call them truth. <laughs> reasons well tomato tomato i don't think that works this time <laughs> i just i could think ahead i just don't want to i'm lazy well that's fine there it is that's fine that's totally okay yeah get off my back that's fine not on your back just you know <laughs> just as long as you say it 
But you know what's funny is that my procrastination creates havoc for others. Uh, like people who produce your radio show? For sure. Yep. That They're like, hey, can you statement. answer this question? I'm like, sure, when I get to it. <laughs> Whenever. Okay. And it drives people crazy. But they think I'm not preparing. I'm preparing in my head. I'm constantly preparing. Always prepared. If you're always, always prepared, you don't ever have to prepare. So then I'm really not procrastinating, am I? You took care of it years ago. Listen to that. Do you hear that noise? I do. That's Skyboy. We are going off air. We're going to break on time. Well, you're only going to break (laughs) if I quit talking. I can just turn off your mic. If I keep talking, you're never going to be able to turn it off. Okay, we're going to go to break. But when we come back, we've got the great Timothy Pitchell, Dr. Timothy Pitchell, who is the author of The Procrastinator's Digest, a concise guide to solving the procrastination puzzle. He's going to come back and teach us about how to blow up. And I guess not blow up the procrastination puzzle, but how to put it together and figure it out. You listen to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Eric Dowdle is a renowned artist who paints pictures about unique cultures and locales every weeknight on BYU Radio. On Traveling with Eric Dowdle, you'll discover hidden gems through the eyes of locals, including the kinds of things you just can't miss. Listen to Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, another great BYU radio program to color your world. Find it on Sirius XM Channel 143. BYU Radio, talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The National Weather Service has confirmed the massive tornado which raised entire neighborhoods in Moore, Oklahoma yesterday and killed at least 24 people was a massive 1.3 miles wide and had wind speeds peaking at 210 miles per hour. Rescue crews are still diligently working to save survivors still trapped under the rubble left after the tornado, while at the same time thousands of others were homeless today as Oklahoma leaders are starting to negotiate for national aid. A federal appeals court ruled today photos of Osama bin Laden's corpse will remain top secret. The three-judge panel ruled unanimously the photos are too inflammatory to release to the public. With criticism growing over the Justice Department's probes into how media outlets learn classified information, President Obama affirmed today he is against the prosecution of journalists who are just trying to do their jobs. A national atheist group is working to get atheist books placed alongside Bibles in cabins in Georgia state parks. Georgia's governor recently held the Bible should remain on the vacation properties despite complaints from the group. In world news, as some of the worst fighting of the year rages in Syria, both sides are preparing to attend an international peace conference aimed at ending the conflict. With Iranian-backed Hezbollah fighters now assisting regime President Bashir Assad, fears the war will spread are once again growing. With support from British Prime Minister David Cameron, a measure to legalize same-sex marriage in England and Wales has passed in the lower house of parliament. Cameron says he hopes same-sex marriage ceremonies can begin as soon as next summer. New policy in India bans the use of captive dolphins for entertainment purposes throughout the country. The ministry responsible for the decision says dolphins should be considered non-human persons due to their high level of intelligence. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back, everybody. Love isn't always on time. You see, love's a procrastinator. <laughs> love just takes its own sweet time and shows up whenever it wants to, according to Toto and that beautiful song, Hold the Line. Um, this is the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, and we are bringing on an expert, somebody I've been very excited to uh, talk to because we need a pro here. This is Dr. Timothy Pitchell, and Dr. Pitchell is the director of the Center for Initiatives in Education and faculty member in the Department of Psychology at Carleton University in Ottawa, Canada. He's also the author of The Procrastinator's Digest, a concise guide to solving the procrastinating procrastination puzzle. He's received numerous awards, including Canada's prestigious 3M National Teaching Fellowship. He's a blogger on Psychology Today. And you can go to his website, procrastination.ca, Canada, um, procrastination.ca for podcasts, web comics, and more. He also, and this is what I'm dying to talk to him about, was featured as Mr. Mom in Carleton University. Let's welcome with us Dr. Timothy Pitchell. Dr. Pitchell, thanks for joining us. Hey, Dr. Townsend. Let's go to Matt and Tim. That would be I like better. that. Uh, yeah. I want you to call me. Uh, late, because everybody here is mad at me because they think I'm a procrastinator, and uh, I think they're just uptight. I'm wondering from that last the news brief if dolphins, if they're not, if they're non-human, uh, what non-animal, non-humans or something like that. Yeah. I wonder if they procrastinate. Yeah, they do totally. They, <laughs> yeah, I've seen oh, I them. guess we all do. They're all out there stalling in the ocean before they come in to entertain people. Um, here's the deal, Timothy, because you, this is what I think is fascinating about you. You've made a pretty cool career studying procrastination. I mean, you yeah. actually teach it. You have a book called Counseling the Procrastinator in Academic Settings. Yes. You, you yeah, take it, this seriously. I do, but, you know, it's funny. I'm actually revising that Procrastinator's Digest right now, and today I had set an intention to do that, <laughs> and I, I, I didn't want to. No. And I had to use every strategy that I talk about to get myself to do it, and I'm <laughs> proud, proud to say that I did, but it wasn't easy. It's yeah. never easy, is it? It's not. It, it, it takes a lot of strategic work because we do become our own worst enemy. Uh, are, you, are you kind of an inherent, or I guess let's just do this. Define procrastination for us first. Sure. Well, there's all sorts of delay. You know, we delay things all the time, and we have to distinguish that from procrastination, which is a particular form of delay. It's a voluntary delay of an intended act that we know if we put off is going to harm us in some way, and yet we do it anyhow. So, you know, I, I delay things all the time. Let's say I get up in the morning and I have 10 things on my list and my son's sick. Well, I'm going to be home and doing something else today. Interesting. And, but, you know, delay, when I got home this afternoon, I got home around 3 o'clock. I left university early because I had this editing to do, and I didn't feel like doing it. It's hard work. And if I had delayed that, that would have been procrastination because mm. there was nothing else standing in my way, and I know that this is due. So, you know, procrastination doesn't have an upside. You know, we'd like to believe that, but there's no upside to procrastination. It's self-regulation failure. So it's okay to... Um it's okay to delay, which would be, I guess, doing something else that's just as important to do. But the minute the delay, there's nothing else to do, or the delay starts to actually harm us, we've entered into the realm of procrastination. Yeah, even just knowing that it was your intention to act now, it's in your best interest to act now. There's a great philosopher at Stanford, John Perry, 
who's written about this notion of structured procrastination, where he'll say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm a terrible procrastinator, but I get lots of things done, because while I'm avoiding the thing at the top of my list, I'm getting all these other things Mm -hmm. done. So I think there's something to be said about harnessing our own motivation of avoidance to get things done, but... As I joke with John all the time, there are people who don't do anything on their list, and those yeah. are well, who we consider real procrastinators. It's not like they're doing two, three, four, five, and six. They're updating their Facebook page yet right. again. Yeah. Well, and they, or they build the list from the bottom. So they there's nothing on the list. They go find ten more things to do, add them to the list, and then pretend like they've accomplished something. Oh, for sure. And lists can be a terrible form of procrastination because what happens is you're feeling overwhelmed, so you make a list and you detail it all, and then you feel like things are under control, and you go off and procrastinate again. So, yeah, lists are important in terms of at least getting started, but they're not working in of themselves. Yeah. The whole point of a list is to get going. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's the motivator. I mean, it's kind of like, let's at least focus on this. Here's what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. But is um, is it, you know, is it like an addiction? It's a habit. It's a habit. In that sense, it's like an addiction, and certainly... Uh, addictions share something in common with, with, with it, which is self-regulation failure. So spending money I don't have, uh, buying things that I don't need, and procrastinating through something, or overeating too, they all have something in common, which is giving in to feel good, feeling yeah. good now. So I'm feeling some negative emotions that I don't always recognize even what they are, and by procrastinating, I'm putting off the task I feel better. By eating, I think I'm feeling better. And if we can just recognize that, I'm not really hungry. I'm eating for emotional reasons. I, I'm, I really can do this. I'm just putting this off because I find it a bit overwhelming. Well, things change then. Well, it's funny, and nobody notices it. I mean, no one would put it normally in that realm, but really it is just we don't delay gratification. We want what yeah. we want now. That's right. So one of the risk factors in procrastination is how impulsive are you? Because if you can't uh, shield one intention from another intention while well, you're more prone to procrastinate. Hmm. Where do you see, like, where do you see that it really, really gets sideways? Well, when you say gets sideways, you know, I think a lot of people think that, well, procrastination really wreaks havoc, havoc on our grades, let's say, if we're in school. Yeah. But the effect size is quite small. Generally, we do do more poorly, but I can tell you I've supervised many thesis students who are A and A-plus students who are terrible procrastinators. Oh, Yeah. Hello, that's my world right there. Well, yeah, a lot of people do, and they say, well, I work better under pressure. And in fact, no, it's not they work better under pressure, they only work under pressure, because when we've done experimental studies to look at people's performance under pressure, they make more mistakes. So we don't work better under pressure, and when we've done studies of putting pagers on people and paging them when they're actually procrastinating, (laughs) before they might have said, oh, I work better under pressure. When the pressure comes, they don't spontaneously say, well, gee, I'm glad I waited till now. Yeah, no, isn't it funny? So that's just our brain making up a story. Excuses. We love excuses because we can't stand the dissonance. Mm. We know what we're supposed to be doing, but we're not doing. And so that dissonance is very uncomfortable, and we have to rationalize it away. But the the real problem, too, is that it's not just like grades and all-nighters. It's We've shown, have some evidence that uh, it affects our health as well. You know, when we pr- procrastinate, we put off health behaviors, for example. Oh, yeah. Uh, we delay seeking treatment, and both of those things are related to poor health. So, you know, procrastination, again, there's no virtue in it. And think about every major world religion has the notion of sloth. 
And to me, that's a deeply existential issue that the one thing that is truly a limited resources for, resource for each of us is time. You right. and I will both run out of time. We may not run out of money, and we may not run out of food. We're very privileged people in North America particularly, but we are both going to run out of time, so why would you squander it? And that's that notion of sloth. It's a real sin against life itself. Is this one of these first world problems, though? No, no. In fact, lots of people think it's just a modern world problem. Yeah. Too. And I do think, I think we see more of it, Matt, because we've got some terrible procrastination tools like the, <laughs> the superhighway we call the Internet. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. you know, uh, we've done cross-cultural studies. I've interviewed people cross-culturally, and everyone understands the difference between sagacious or wise delay, waiting because you're looking for more information, waiting because there's other priorities, and then delaying that really causes problems, like not even... Like you're supposed to plant before the rain comes, and you've got to weed before the weeds take hold. Everyone's always understood the difference there. Right. I mean, that's interesting, because like kind of the law of the harvest world, where the agrarian society, you had to get it planted, or else you'd have nothing, I guess. But universally, historically, we still had procrastinators then. Yeah, I would say what we we would, and, and I just think that maybe they were selected out for in a different yeah. way. Yeah. We lived in smaller communities, too, and I think that, that you can, uh, we become our own worst enemy, I argued, but then in, in a community, we can overcome those things, because other people keep us on the straight and narrow. Hmm. There could be people who are terrible procrastinators, but at work they never do, because they got a boss right on top of them. Right. Oh, yeah. The, the people that procrastinate at work usually have... Um, jobs like yours, yours and mine, perhaps, where there's a lot more independence. Yeah. And then we run into problems because, well, I could do it now and I could do it later, as opposed to someone's kind of tapping their fingers and saying, like, I want my burger. <laughs> That's right. Hello, I just paid for a burger. Yeah. But you're saying, though, that so one difference is to distinguish between delay and procrastination. And delay, I guess, isn't just justifying. What, what, what would make something a healthier delay? Versus well, procrastination. Well, okay. Well, procrast- both of them are voluntary delays, but one, well, actually, even sometimes a, uh, a, a delay isn't voluntary. Like I gave the example of I get up and I've got things to do and uh, my little guy is sick. Yeah. Or my, da- my daughter actually is sick more often. And, and all of a sudden my day is just gone. Like yeah. I, so it's not voluntary anymore. Why didn't you work on the editing? Because I was home with my daughter. Uh-huh. Uh, so... Whereas the difference with procrastination, it's always a voluntary delay. Mm. It has nothing to do with prioritizing now. It has everything to do with giving in to feel good, with escaping the negative feelings you're having, with your inability even just to exert self-control. So the time comes when you say you're going to start, and you simply keep squeaking past it. Oh, it'll only take me a minute to check my email. Oh, it'll only take me a minute to update my Facebook status. And and that's a really slippery slope there because that... It will only take me a minute is a rational thing to say, it's yep. true, but it's over an irrationally short period of time because a minute later you face the same decision. And philosophers will say that you have to draw a bright line because if you don't and say, I can't do that again, you're more likely to do it tomorrow. So drawing a bright line that says, I don't cross this is really important because the moment that we give in and we do it once, it makes it more likely we'll do it again. Right. Yeah, yeah. then you've created, the big, there's the habit. Yep. That, oh, that's right. And habits are terrible things to break, as we all know. So once we've established that habit, it's no longer conscious. And that our brain works in two different ways, of course. We've got this really emotional, unconscious processing going on, and then we have this very laborious, 
prefrontal cortex that's doing all the planning and and uh, s- synthesizing of information, and that's just hard. Yeah. And we don't we don't want to do that. I mean, it is hard work. We exhaust it easily, and on labeled on top of all that, layered on top of all that is this notion that willpower is like a muscle. We we exhaust it quite easily, and some interesting experiments have done to show us that. Yep, we exhaust our willpower quickly, and then we feel like we can't go on. Interesting. And this really is a battle. It's a battle. It's not just we we just kind of dismiss it as yeah oh yeah he's just a procrastinator. But it's also it's a major battle of your over yourself. Yeah, it is about self. We've got this present self who wants to feel good now at the expense of future self. Yeah. But they're the same person. If I leave the dishes for you, there's some sense to that. Well, Matt will do those That's tomorrow. right. When I leave them for me, it's like, who do you think future self, how does future self going to feel? Now, the thing is that there are times and days where you get to the end of the day and you think, I just, I can't do that. And you know that after a bit of sleep, you will have some renewed energy. So there's a process of discernment there that's really important. Not every time I... Not I, I might leave the dishes or leave some of the tasks. It doesn't mean it's procrastinating. Sometimes you just realize that, yeah, I, future self will have resources that present self doesn't. Yeah. But it's when we try to excuse ourselves all the time. And that interesting thing is it's all about the self. We mm. partition the self up in a strange way. See, it's and then here we sit. We do the same thing with our kids and finances and government and leave everyone in debt. And, hey, let's oh. just do it again tomorrow. Absolutely. Like, and we're not very good. The economic forecasts are a good one. You know, when we think about our own future, when we're trying to forecast how we're going to feel, Dan Gilbert from Harvard University has done some wonderful work on this, and he shows us that human beings focus so much on the present mm. and, and focus so much on single aspects so that we think we're going to feel like we feel now, and we focus on the things at hand, and we can't predict what other things are going to influence us. So we end up thinking, tomorrow I'm going to feel like I feel now. So imagine you go to the grocery store, and we've all done this, and you're hungry. Imagine what your cart looks like. Now you go to the grocery store, and you've just had a big meal. Now, the week ahead is the same, but the way you're thinking about what you're going to need has been influenced so much by your present state. Now let's turn that around for procrastinators. Imagine I've just put off doing a task. Well, I feel quite good now, don't I? I think, I'm not doing that today now. So I'm feeling quite good. And so when I actually think, oh, I'll feel more like it tomorrow, a part of me actually believes that state, that I'm going to feel as good as I do right now. And in fact, total opposite is the truth. Tomorrow I feel like an abject failure (laughs) because I didn't do anything yesterday. And you're behind the gun because now you've got to get today done. Exactly. That's, and that's future self paying for present self. And so today when I sat down at my desk and I really didn't want to work on the editing, I did what I always say. This is my number one motto was just get started. Tim, just, uh, first of all, I had to find the document. I had it on another hard drive. So I just got started. I got the document and I emailed it to the computer that I was going to work on. And then I opened it. And each one of these steps seems really trivial, but it was so important in terms of priming the pump to acting. I love and I that. said, okay, let's just read the introduction, and we'll see what you want to change in that, because this is an editing task. And then, lo and behold, it truly was priming the pump, because once I got started, it made me think differently about myself, too. I thought, I like this. This is yeah. pretty good. Well, then you got so, caught up in it, and you could do it. You got it. And you know, so much of it is that precipitous moment where mm-hmm. we go from not doing to doing. Yeah, like momentum. What, yeah, inertia. Just get started. Yes, yeah. in fact... Uh, there's some good, good research that shows that a little bit of progress on our goals actually fuels our well-being. 
So you get a little progress and it fuels your well-being. Well, as your well-being and your happiness goes up, so does your motivation. So you get this upward spiral that gets you going. That's truly the, spir- the priming of the pump. And I think it's really important for us all to remember that, that when we're feeling like, oh, I just can't do it, well, don't think about doing it. It's not the Nike slogan. <laughs> Let's just get started. Let's just like, get started. Get a little bit of success. You're going to get overwhelmed. Yeah. That's great. Timothy Pitchell, we're talking uh, with Dr. Timothy Pitchell, but more importantly, with the author of The Procrastinator's Digest. And we're going to come back with Timothy and pick his brain. We're going to find out, too, uh, is there an upside to procrastination and why we procrastinate? We'll be back with Timothy Pitchell right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Next time you're playing Mixologist, consider holding the olive and adding transistors? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. As a sort of high-tech novelty, an MIT student recently created intelligent ice cubes to put in his drinking glass at parties. Made of colored LED lights, a tiny battery, and circuit board, embedded in a food-safe gelatin cube, the devices respond to loud party music by blinking on and off in the glass. This isn't exactly new. You could make them yourself, but these ice cubes carry an accelerometer, which can sense and count how many times a glass is tipped to take a sip. Too many sips too fast, and the glass glows red to warn the drinker he's over-imbibing. While these were only a novelty demonstration, being able to miniaturize electronics and add some smarts to everyday objects points to a future where smart cocktails could tell bartenders how to properly mix a martini or Mai Tai. Or imagine that drink glasses might someday have IP addresses and could help communicate short distances over the noise in a bar when you try to introduce yourself. It might really be the drink talking this time. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. How did BYU Radio end up with a rock and roll show? It was time to just let our hair down and just play whatever we want to play. Catch Through the Garage Door Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at 11 p.m. Eastern for a look into what's good in rock and roll. Only here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking with Timothy Pitchell, Director for the Center for Initiatives in Education and Faculty at the Department of Psychology at Carleton University, author of the Procrastinator's Digest, um, and really just an all-around great guy, and Mr. Mom. Is that right, Timothy? Yes, I'm an older dad, and so one of the great things about being an older dad is that I was in a place in my own career where I could uh, reduce my time and uh, be home with the kids. And so, yeah, I was just making dinner before you called, and uh, I'm the guy that gets them breakfast in the morning, gets them on the bus, and, yeah, all those fun things. You are cool. <laughs> oh, thanks, Matt. We all want to be like you. I mean, I'm and, busy. That's what well, I you are busy, but you're also level-headed. And 
I mean, that's which is something we lack, apparently. Uh, they said they tell me here I lack the level headedness. Um, tell me about the story. You, you had talked to Merritt earlier about the story about the university president. Oh, this is fantastic. I had uh, given a talk to a group for uh, See You Healthier, Healthier, Carleton University Healthier. It was a program that we ran over the winter, so I was talking to the group about how they're going to sustain all this, and the president hadn't heard me speak about procrastination before. She came up and said, let me tell you a story. When I was the dean, and this was down in the U.S., in fact, she said uh, uh, someone wanted to come in and shoot the dean, and a man came in and he pointed a gun at me, and, and uh, of course I was really upset. And At one point I said, you know, you're making me very nervous with the gun. Could you put it down, please? And he did. He put the gun down, and they continued to talk, and at one point the gentleman said, I need to go to the bathroom. And he did. He left the room and went to the bathroom and left his gun. Well, she doesn't know anything about guns, and she wasn't going to pick it up. <laughs> she didn't know what was going to happen. So she picked up the phone, and she phoned the oh, health no center. Way. And there was only one psychiatrist on staff, and she said, look, I've got somebody here. I need some information about him. And he said, I can't, you know, betray this confidentiality about my uh, patients. And he, she said, look, he's pointing a gun at me. And he, he said to her, this is the truth, don't worry, he's a terrible procrastinator. I thought, that's beautiful. I mean, there is an upside to procrastination. That's right. You're less likely to get shot by a procrastinator. <laughs> I guess that's true, but there isn't really an upside. No. We've looked at it inside and out, but I, I was really uh, taken by that little piece you did uh, in the break there about innovation now and the notion of a smart cocktail and how they made these ice cubes with the lights in them. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, you know, that has so much to do with how all of us could cope better with all of our self-regulation as well. Because, of course, the whole point was if you're sipping too much, the glass was going to turn red and right. tell you and the bartender, slow it down. Slow down. So I said to you earlier that willpower is a limited resource and that we need to uh, use it strategically. But then the other thing is, well, why always depend on ourselves? Just like, why do I have to depend on the fact that I have to keep track of how much I'm drinking? Right, because exactly. With my friends, I'm excited so what I have to do is I need to ex- uh, use this notion of extended will, mm. just like extended cognition. If I said to you, what's two times four, you'd say, no problem, it's eight. And I'd say, what's 384 times 396? You'd say, I can't do that, unless I had you a pencil and pen, right? I mean, paper and pen. And then, of course, you'd say, oh, yeah, now I can do it. Well, that's extended cognition. You're using tools to do that. So we could do the same with willpower. So what I want to do is use the world around me so that I make it... it I lower the threshold for the behavior I want to do and raise the threshold for the things that I don't want to do. So maybe it is I want to exercise when I come home, so I want to ride my bike. But right. coming home, I also maybe like to have a cold beer or a cold drink of some kind. So I have to lower the threshold for the bike ride. I have to have my, my cycling stuff right there. The bike's got to be in the way of the door. And maybe I leave the drink, which I enjoy cold, on the counter. So now I think I might as well ride the bike while I put that in the fridge. Yeah, brilliant. You know, and I think we have to be strategic like this constantly is use the world around us. And I think technology can do that for us. And, of course, technology can also be a big time waster. Well, isn't it funny, the very question, why why is it always my responsibility to have willpower? (laughs) I I hear couples fight that way all the time. When's he going to have the willpower to stop the fight? Well, and, and I think we can run out of it, and so we want to do everything we can yeah. back the deck in our favor. And when we don't, of course, we are going to hit the end of our rope. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's important to be strategic about it. And there's ways to strengthen your willpower, including simple things like getting enough sleep, making sure you don't get too hungry, um, 
if you if you exercise your willpower through something like mindfulness meditation, all those things are good for you. But you know, no matter who you are, you're going to get to the end of some days and run out of it. So, are you setting things up in a way that are going to make it more likely you're going to succeed? Yeah, that is huge, and that um, I guess that gets into different reasons why we procrastinate. I mean, I, I, you have two different types of procrastinators, right? Well, not really types, because I don't think the world too much in types, but I'll say that there's two big influences on it. Okay. One, is the per, one is the person, our personality, and then the other is the situation. So I'll start with the second one, that like, in some situations we all want to procrastinate, like really aversive tasks, things yeah. we don't like to do, boring, frustrating tasks. Think of any student facing a, a long, arduous paper, right? So, right. We all do that. But some of us are the perfect storm for procrastination in terms of our personality. So personality, personality psychologists will say, just like there's three primary colors, we could think of five primary personality traits. And you can remember them by the mnemonic ocean or canoe. Ocean would be openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. These mm. are five major personality traits you take them, blend them together, and you get any individual, it's argued. Well, not all of them relate to procrastination. Conscientiousness correlates very high with procrastination, but negatively. So people who are really conscientious, they're self-disciplined, they're dutiful, they're organized, they don't procrastinate. Now, if you ask yourself, are you very conscientious, conscientious and the answer is no, well, you've got something, a strike against you towards procrastination. Right. You're going to have to work hard against that. And the other one is, this neuroticism, which is just emotional instability. You tend to worry and to be depressed and to be anxious. So these sorts of people are more likely to procrastinate as well. So those couple personality traits, along with a few others, make for, what I said before, like this perfect storm for procrastination. Yeah. And then the situation, so some people might have a personality that just kind of leaves you, you know, more susceptible to this little, uh, infection we well, call exactly. we call procrastination, procrastination. yeah interesting for, for everything we have a you talked about it before delay of gratification mm-hmm. Thinking back to some classic work with kids walter michelle did right. to show that you know the kids that were able to wait seem to do better in life well those of us who know that we don't delay gratification well have to recognize yeah and i'm more likely to be the person that procrastinates so the question becomes if i want to reduce it what am i going to do to do that Okay, man. And then there's obviously, so so that's the personality side. We have to kind of get control, or we just have to know ourselves, don't we? Well, you do, and, and, and yet there's more to it. Like a lot of people will say, well, don't perfectionists procrastinate? Well, there's more than one flavor of perfectionist. Mm-hmm. There's the self-oriented perfectionist. This is the person who just likes to do things well, and in fact, those people rarely procrastinate. They're quite driven. They want to get it done, yeah, and get it that's done right. well. And they want to do it well. But then there's the socially prescribed perfectionists. They're socially prescribed in the sense that others are expecting them to mm-hmm. be perfect. They have, they have internalized standards from other people, and usually they're quite unrealistic. These people tend to procrastinate more. So if you've got this internal dialogue in, dialogue in your head, which is, oh, it's got to be perfect. My whole self-worth depends on it. You know, I can't live up to their standards. Well, that's the dialogue you need to work on, right? That's, that's the thing that's probably... Uh, causal in a lot of your procrastination that, of course, you want to put it off because it's so aversive to you. You've got, you feel that you could never live up to all these standards. Mm. You know, you wouldn't think it's this complicated because it seems like the people procrastinating aren't thinking about it this much. No, <laughs> and, no. and they're really not, are they? No. They're just, that's the subconscious, right? Working us. 
That's it. It's become a habit. It's very unconscious. It's a coping strategy. It's much like uh, even that commercial about drinking. Why would we have these ice cubes? Well, because some people drink too much. Why do they drink too much? Well, they couldn't tell you. Yeah. It's a habit now. But a lot of it is self-medication. So they're self-regulating. And what are they doing? They're trying to feel good. Oh, and what man. are you doing when you're procrastinating? Often, you're trying to feel good. What happens to you? It comes at a great cost. Yeah. And, we, and then you're going to pay it later you in are. the future. You yep. get to pay the bill. Yeah, exactly. We're going to come back. We're talking with Timothy Pitchell, uh, author of The Procrastinator's Digest and Mr. Mom in Carleton <laughs> University Magazine. Great man. Wonderful insight. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. On Thinking Aloud, you can hear host Marcus Smith talk with guests about a variety of topics. The subjects can range from superheroes to religion, sometimes even in the same conversation. One of the things that I have learned through studying superheroes and thinking about superheroes is that genuine spirituality is actually harder to do than a certain kind of orthodox religiosity. Join us for Thinking Aloud at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The National Weather Service has confirmed the massive tornado which raised entire neighborhoods in Moore, Oklahoma yesterday and killed at least 24 people. It was a massive 1.3 miles wide and had wind speeds peaking at 210 miles per hour. Rescue crews are still diligently working to save survivors trapped under the rubble left after the tornado, while at the same time thousands of others were homeless today as Oklahoma leaders are starting to negotiate for national aid. Photos of Osama bin Laden's corpse will not be released to the public, an appeals court ruled today. The CIA used the photos and facial recognition software to confirm the man really was Osama bin Laden. With criticism growing over the Justice Department's probes into how media outlets learn classified information, President Obama affirmed today he is against the prosecution of journalists who are just doing their jobs. Peace Corps officials announced today they will allow same-sex couples to apply to serve in the overseas program together. However, not all of the 76 countries who participate in the program will be welcoming to the same-sex couples. In world news, as some of the worst fighting of the year rages in Syria, both sides seem to be preparing to attend an international peace conference aimed at ending the conflict. With Iranian-backed Hezbollah fighters now assisting the regime, fears the war will spread and the region are growing once again. With support from British Prime Minister David Cameron, a measure to legalize same-sex marriage in England and Wales has passed in the lower house of British Parliament. Cameron says he hopes same-sex marriage ceremonies can begin as soon as next summer. And new policy in India bans the use of captive dolphins for the entertainment purposes throughout the country. The ministry responsible for that decision says dolphins should be considered non-human persons due to their high level of intelligence. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here talking with Timothy Pitchell, and we're talking about procrastination. Now, 
Some of us are really good at this. Uh, my mom always used to say I was gifted in procrastination, in the art of procrastination. I was kind of like a ninja, a ninja procrastinator. I could delay any work that needed to be done with my incredible verbal agility. And our very own Timothy Pitchell here, uh, he is a professor from the Department of Psychology at Carleton University. More importantly, he has written a book called The Procrastinator's Digest, A Concise Guide to Solving the Procrastination Puzzle. This is what I think is cool about you, Timothy. Um, you are, you can tell you're a, you're a people person. Okay. <laughs> because I think that's true. You speak, you speak so we can understand you. I mean, a lot of professors, A, wouldn't be studying procrastination, B, wouldn't be able to to teach us what it means in just normal conversation, but uh, you're also a dog musher. Yeah, that's uh, typically Canadian, isn't it? That's, that's totally real. Canadian or Alaskan, for heaven's sakes. Alaskan, that's right. That's where I belong. You should be up in Alaska, but you're also Mr. Mom, which tells us you're busy, and yet um, what what you seems like you're trying to teach us here is life is a choice. Time is an asset or a resource. You've only got so much, so don't let your stories, um, don't let your stories, don't let your subconscious machinations lead you. Oh, absolutely. The word choice is so important there, Matt. It's about this sense of agency. It's your life, right? And I'm not talking about procrastinating less that you're a better cog in a wheel and right. more productive yeah. worker. I'm talking about achieving your own goals in life, right? Making the most of every day. Carpe diem. Yeah, exactly. So well, you did that as a dad. I mean, it would have been easier for you to just keep furthering a career, but in a weird way, it sounds like you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, I've always lived my life like that. I went after my passions, and, and then you do that wholeheartedly, and it's really important. But it takes risk, right? It's oh, a yeah. notion of courage to be. You're saying, well, I'm going to put myself out there. Because it, interestingly, too, when I've gone to conferences on people who... Uh, counsel the grieving, uh, the big regrets are the, the procrastination, the things they said they were going to do and never mm-hmm. did. So, yeah, it's really important that uh, we see this for what it is. It's a matter of uh, a lot of people say, well, I, I, you know, I'm more laid back. You know, I don't want to be so uptight. No, no, no. You, you, you want to get things done for you, not to be an uptight person, but right. that you don't end up making excuses all the time. Yeah, you- that notion of choice is so important. And you don't want the choice, like, you talk about it as mer- as mood repair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what we're doing. And, and at, that's, at that point now, you're not really making a choice. You're just acting out of, I want to feel better now. I want to feel better now. Well, life doesn't always bring you uh, feeling good. Like, a lot of times you just dig in and do it, and, that, and that's what brings the good feeling. Yeah. You pay, you pay the dues. And we all know that, that it's effort and hard work that's so important. And that's why I think, too, that we see sloth as a sin, because... We see it as, well, you want things for nothing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, again, we, and we justify, oh, that's just, you know, that's just humans. But that's, that's the prescription to mediocrity, and that's the well, prescription to just lack of health. Yeah, the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and, it's, and we need to transcend that. We need to transcend the weakest parts of ourselves. We know that's true. Mm-hmm. Like we all enjoy too much sugar and too much fat. We've got this Stone Age brain that has been selected for in that sense, like, these are good things for our body, yeah. but it, it's not a good thing for your body when you're surrounded by it. So we have to learn 
to think through these things, to be the best that we can be that way. So it's a really positive message in all of this, even though I start by saying that, yeah, I'm studying procrastination. In the end, I'm saying but the answer here is agency. And what I'm talking about is strategies to own your own life. Mm. And, and the strategy, I mean, every mother has said, don't procrastinate. And you, you cannot procrastinate for your mother or you can procrastinate or you cannot procrastinate simply to exercise your agency. And exercising your agency is what brings you the power, not That's just right. not doing it for mom. Yeah, and some of the research we've done around parenting, it's the authoritarian parent who's constantly telling the kid what to do who ends up with kids who procrastinate because they never internalize any self-regulation. Mm. So they, they never develop their own volitional skills. So, yeah, you don't want to be – you've got to let kids fail. You know, as some people call it, non-catastrophic failure is the best growing experience a person could have when they realize, gee, I can screw up here. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and have the onus on the child, right, where – it's not mom not reminding you that not to take your cleats to soccer. It's yeah. you forgetting to take your cleats to soccer that made this a failure today. Yes, that's right. It's the last time you'll do it. And oh. Until you, you experience some of those things, you don't, you don't truly learn. And yet it's funny how people will say, yeah, but isn't procrastination so punishing? Why don't we learn from that? Well, it's punishing in the long run, but it really feels good in the short term. It's just like spending money we don't have or overeating. Right. Think, why do you do that if you're getting fatter? Why do you do that when you go broke? Because in the short term, it felt really good. It's yummy. So we really do have this propensity for short term. We call it temporal discounting. We discount future rewards. So we have to think more about the future. We have to do a bit of time travel and say, you know, what are the real costs of this? And that's not easy because, as I said before, it requires conscious effort as opposed to the unconscious, as you put it. We're just acting out of habit. What are some strategies you suggest to kind of get us conscious, to get us present and kind of shake off the malaise? Okay, well, I'm going to give you four. Okay. And, and I think they all build on each other. The first is that you have to make a predecision to preempt that which tempts. You know, Ooh. there's going to be lots of distractions, lots of other things. So you have to preempt those things. And, and uh, there's lots of ways to do that, and I'll come back to one of those. But the next is that you've you got to move away from goal goal intentions that are really vague. Uh, we almost know when we say them, like, I'll do the work on the weekend. Like, yeah. weekend. when does it start and end? It means I, I'm going to do it someday, but I'm not sure when. You have to move from vague, anemic goal intentions to very specific implementation intentions. What are you going to do when? Huh. And when you do that, especially the when part, you say, if this happens in this situation, then I'll do that. You put the stimulus for the behavior into the environment. So you start to starts to break the habit because now you're acting on a stimulus, which it's nice to do. You're not thinking. Right. If this happens, then I do that. So think of those as implementation intentions. Lots and lots of research by a psychologist by the name of Peter Galwitzer to show that these are powerful tools. People are more likely to follow through with what the doctor says, more likely to exercise if they make implementation intentions. Interesting. My favorite, as I've already told you, is don't make it more complicated than it is. Just get started. Yeah. Like, quit overthinking it. Just Bite the bullet and get started because you're going to see that you're going to have this upward spiral. And even if I say to myself, okay, I'm just going to get started. I'm going to work on this for 10 minutes. Even after 10 minutes, if I quit, at least tomorrow I can look back at myself and say, I got started. Yeah, I, I've, I've done, done something. Started. Yeah. Now, the last one is kind of paradoxical. It comes out of our own research. You have to have a bit of self-forgiveness in here, too, because it's always two steps forward, one step back. So imagine, Matt, that you and I have offended each other somehow. There's been a transgression in our relationship. Mm -hmm. So, and there's no forgiveness. Well, now the motivation is avoidance. I don't want to see Matt. Matt doesn't want to see Tim. But once forgiveness is often offered, now the motivation switches to approach. 
Well, the same happens with procrastination, except the transgression is against the self. So I procrastinated and I've screwed up and I'm feeling badly. Now the motivation is to avoid more. If I can forgive myself and recognize, yeah, it's human, that I'm more likely to try again. Really so as much as I'm saying there's all these strategies you need to put in place, there's going to be days where you're going to fail. And you've got to be ready for that, too. And you've got to say, okay, yep, happens. Yeah. Pick myself up and try it again. It yeah. seems like that's one of the, the little pet human tricks we have is we don't self-forgive, which makes it impossible for us to, to want to keep trying. Yeah, forgiveness is something we do for ourselves so that we can move on, right? Yeah, and we so like to keep it, yeah, keep we the pain there. Stew on it, yeah. And, it, and the biggest correlate in terms of emotions with procrastination is guilt. Well, if you just sit and stew in your own guilt, you're really on a downward spiral, and there's no surprise then that procrastination is often correlated with depression. You know, mm-hmm. You're not in a good place when you haven't done anything for a while. So really, truly, I don't know if your listeners get this, but today when I came home, I didn't want to do my work. Right? And I don't typically procrastinate, but this task, I thought, oh, I just don't want to do it. But I also knew that if I don't do it today, tomorrow, I'm going to really hate myself. Oh, yeah. I, I had to think about that for a minute and say, okay, let's just get started. So I always scaffold these things, and then it was, okay, so what is it you're going to exactly do? Well, I need the file. So now we're talking something specific. So make the task concrete. Research by psychologists have also shown that when we think about things abstractly, they seem to belong to the future. When we think about things concretely, they have a sense of urgency to them. Yeah, it's more I present, always, huh? Yeah, I layer these things together. I make an implementation intention. I start with something concrete. I just get started. Yeah. What, what if you're sitting there and you're overwhelmed by having too much to do? You have, you have procrastinated your entire life, <laughs> and now you're inundated with just everything of the world telling you you're just flat out a loser. What do well, you do to overcome hard. all this? I mean, like you got 20 things really you should be doing. Yeah, when you're going to, and I mean, digging yourself out of that one's tough. It's like going bankrupt, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're in, in, in debt deep. Well, you're going to try to consolidate those debts. You're going to have to look at prioritizing what am I going to do? Like, which one of these things can I do that's actually going to pay off? Some of these are lost now. Maybe yeah. I should abandon them. Sometimes, sometimes procrastination is a, but a symptom of the fact that I don't even want to do this in my life. Like, I think that's another... Right. Is this really what my goal is, right? Or am I doing it because mom wants me to? That's right. Falsely internalized goals. This isn't my life. So that sense of agency comes from the fact that all my life I've been doing things that don't belong to me. Now, for anybody who's listening and saying, yeah, that's it. That's a a quick cop-out, too. Yeah, exactly. You have to... This discernment is really important. As you said earlier, know yourself. Like, there are times when it's a symptom, and there's other times when it's the problem. And so I just wanted to raise that for some people. Totally. Yeah, you know, for some people, it's a symptom that, boy, this isn't my life. Like, I'm, I'm procrastinating on this because I hate this. I need to change my job or I need to get out of this or that. Yeah. yeah. It seems like, too, it could be uh, it, it was the goal of the healthy you, but it's no longer the goal of the unhealthy you. So now you, you've kind of you've regressed so much that it no longer seems like your goal, just because you don't trust you can do it. You have no sense of self. You're so deep in the hole. Yeah, and, that, and that's when a counseling relationship is helpful, and also to know that change is small, and you have to celebrate the little successes. Yeah. So say you want to lose ten, twenty, thirty pounds, whatever it might be. You don't lose it overnight. But when you get on the scale at the end of the week and you've lost a half a pound, you know you're going in the right direction. So yeah. it's the same when you're starting to work on these tasks, yeah, you're right. You feel like you're bankrupt, like I've got, I'm way too far behind. Uh, 
today is that first day of the rest of your life if you want it to be, to have that sense of agency and to realize, yeah, but I'm turning it around now. Mm-hmm. And so there's all sorts of metaphors we think that way. You know, a, a thousand-mile journey begins with the first step, uh, a big ship turns slowly, all these things. You eat an eat. elephant one bite at a time, but back to the fat yeah. metaphor. Exactly. All of those <laughs> things, they come from... Uh, the experience of human beings for centuries, right? We, yeah. we know how difficult these changes are because it's human nature to want to feel good now. It's, um, it seems like there's so much power th- that if you could truly connect to the vision of what you want to be able to feel tomorrow um, and, and actually be present in that vision by, and, and then go do something about it, boy, you could set yourself up for a great tomorrow. Well, it is, and, that, and you really capture the notion of mindfulness in what you've said. And certainly we've seen in research that the more mindful you are, the less procrastination. And I think it's related to this notion of agency and the notion of purpose and owning one's own life. And even if you only have glimpses of that at times, cherish it, because that's what you're going to cultivate to do more of, right? That's, that is what you're, we're all shooting for in terms of really being present and saying, this is it, right? This yeah. Is Life is not a dress rehearsal. This is my chance. And what am I going to make of it right now? Not tomorrow, not later today, but right now. What choice am I making right now? That's powerful. Tell me, uh, just as we wrap this up, what what has it done for you personally, Tim, to to know that, um, you know, you're not perfect at this, um, yet, you know, today you got that thing done. You got your, your, your writing done. You got it started. And... Um, but what has it done for you personally in your relationships, in your sense of self, your sense of self-worth, your, well, it's your given vision? Me much greater focus on that sense of agency, sense of self, as you said. You know, this spring, um, over the winter, my mother became very sick and she died at the end of March. Mm. And so I had the world pulled out from underneath me. And I face that kind of motivational problem, a motivation and depression that anybody would, right? Sure. It's a natural part of life. And I had to draw on a lot of these strategies to be able to put one foot in front of the other. And so at the end of the day, I didn't always feel accomplished. But when I look back objectively, I say, well, I did what I needed to do today. I didn't feel good about it necessarily, because I think one of the myths in our society is that our motivation has to match the task. Right, right. It doesn't. But what these, these things gave me was a chance for me to realize, no, I can keep moving forward. I'm not going to wallow. And it doesn't mean I'm not hurting. It doesn't mean I didn't cry a lot. And I'm, I, it doesn't mean I'm motivated. But I... I was able to get on with it because it is my life and I have to keep getting on with it. So that was a tremendous gift, right? And it came out of looking at uh, the breakdown in volitional action we call procrastination to understand what volition is, what willfulness is, and how I was going to do it when I felt I had none of it. Mm. Yeah. Well, we all need that, don't we? I mean, that's what we need. And I I mean, again, you've put it in such a practical way. I, I guess one of the best places that people should be going to find out what you're talking about, is it the website? Procrastination.ca. Yeah, remember it's Canada. Procrastination.ca, not .com. Yeah. Because everything there is free. Like the Psychology Today blog, it's been there since 2008. It's had like almost 4 million readers. And the iTunes podcast, you know, if, it, if you like to listen to podcasts while you're commuting, there's uh, years of podcasts in there as well. So, yeah, all the things I've talked about today, I've expounded on, and oftentimes with interviews with colleagues. So, You'll, you'll get the other scientists' take on all this stuff. And they can go to Amazon.com and get your book, The Procrastinator's Digest, right? Yeah, and I'm happy to say that um, Penguin just called me, and they want to. I self-published that book, but they want to pick it up now, so it's going to be out in the market in a whole different way shortly. Excellent. 
Mm-hmm, I'm Not, very pleased. Well, now you'll um, you'll be impacting even more people. Plus, what about your other book with for students? Well, that's actually not for students. It's more for counselors. Oh, for, for counselors and faculty. Yeah, it's okay. counseling the academic, uh, the, the procrastinating in the academic setting. So it emerged out of an international conference series that we do. And, in fact, this year it was in Europe in 2011. It's coming back to Canada in 2013. And we're going to be in Quebec in, in July, international researchers on this topic and just talking about procrastination. You're the man, Timothy. Good luck to you. appreciate you being on the show. You really, uh, you've given us... Some killer insight. Plus, good luck dog mushing. Thanks very much. I've enjoyed it for many years. Matt, what a pleasure to meet you. You're the best, Tim. Thank you so much. Timothy Pitchell, go check him out at his website, uh, procrastination.ca. Seriously, good stuff there. Uh, Resources, everything you could need, uh, along with uh, podcasts as well. So check him out. Don't procrastinate. Don't delay. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back to wrap up the show and take uh, some comments and questions from the internet, give you some answers on those. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. You've tried to catch snowflakes on your tongue. Now there's a camera that can grab them in midair. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Utah sees a lot of snow in the winter with some great skiing. Knowing more details of how snow forms can be important to ski resorts or to anyone who is interested in better weather prediction. Recently, researchers at the University of Utah developed an infrared camera that can capture falling snowflakes in 3D, revealing new information that may improve forecasts. The system is super fast, with a shutter speed of 1 thousandths of a second. In fact, that's fast enough to literally freeze a falling flake in midair with astounding sharpness. The pictures reveal new knowledge about how larger flakes form from individual flakes locking together in flight. The camera can count, sort by size, and give the speeds of tens of thousands of flakes nightly. Seeing this kind of structure and getting accurate 3D measurements was impossible with two-dimensional techniques. Now, with advanced understanding of how flakes combine and grow in flight, scientists can improve their computer models for storm and snow predictions and tell you if tomorrow brings gnarly powder or mushy concrete to your favorite downhill run (sighs) or driveway. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Matt Townsend, relationship expert. Today we're talking about our relationships and our careers. Technology, what is it that women really want? Toxic relationship. The Matt Townsend Show, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Boy, loved Timothy Pitchell there. Really learned a lot about procrastination. I realized that I am just, I'm just an addict. I'm delaying gratification to go be fed by my little lazy brain. I don't think that's what he meant to mean, but that's what I interpreted. Hey, Rob's with us now, and uh, what we'd like to do to wrap up the show is go to the interweb. Where the internet asks... And Matt answers. Yes. Let's, what's, the, what's the issue today? Question comes from a couple in their late 30s, been married nine years. We're going out for eight years prior to that. Hmm. And at this point in the relationship, 
They're constantly bickering over the most mundane things. For instance, yesterday they have a daughter who has a loose tooth and it's starting to get loose. So dad took him, took her in the bathroom to check it out over the sink. Yeah. And they don't have a stopper in the sink. So he just kind of shoved some Kleenex in there to, sure. to make, sure, the yeah, make sure it wouldn't fall out. Well, some time goes by. The wife comes by, sees evidence that there was Kleenex shoved in there at some point. Yeah. She says, did you put Kleenex in the drain? He says, well, I didn't shove it down the pipe, if that's what you think. It just kind of waited it in the hole there. Well, it's going to clog the drain. Well, how's it going to clog the drain? I didn't turn the water on. I, I took it out when I was done. Well, pieces of it are going to fall down the drain and clog it up. Don't you ever think about that? <laughs> And he's just like, well, are you insane? It's just Kleenex. I mean, it's, it disintegrates immediately. You put a little water on it. But even then, I didn't, wasn't pushing pieces in the drain, so it was never an issue. Well, don't do it again because you're going to clog the drain, and then who's going to repair it? You? Well, if Ooh. I have to, I will repair it. Anyway, this stuff goes on all the time for him. He feels that she's constantly putting him at blame. He knows he's part of the problem, but he's not sure exactly what. Get what off my do they back. do? Okay, by the way, first of all, before I get into answering that, thank you for acting out the entire scenario. You should do voiceovers for cartoons. Because you actually played both roles. So we'll just call you, you're a troop. You're a troop Robert. That's cool. The acting troop. Okay, here's the deal. And you could see it, and she probably didn't even hear this. But he was feeling attacked like he's an incompetent idiot. Because he put something in the drain that, by the way, didn't stay there, that he actually got rid of, apparently. And, um, but he was feeling attacked. So here's what happens in relationships. All she does, she has a concern. The, the, this lovely lady has a concern. Hey, don't clog up the drain. But she also is subtly telling her husband after nine years and eight years dating, 17 years she's been with this man, which probably means, by the way, she has a history of knowing he probably doesn't clean up his messes. He probably has no clue how to fix a drain. So she has data, probably, I'm betting. Okay, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter because she's coming off offensive. She's coming off beating the poor guy up and may not even hear her judgment. And you can see in this little interchange that was written out, he um, they take two different roles. She's coming off like the parent. Hey, who put the who put the cotton or who put the toilet paper in the drain? And he's coming off like a child. Like he's so what ends up happening is this, and I see it in most conflicts that where where things kind of get ugly. One person plays the role of parent, kind of the one that's going to control it, that's asking the questions. By the way, one of the number one ways to really tick someone off, especially a man, is to start yelling questions at him. That's going to that is that is questioning his his abilities to do something, his intelligence. How much is this going to cost? Do you have any clue what you're doing? Questions are inherently judgmental. Who ate the cheese in the refrigerator? That's exactly. I needed that for dinner. Did you not know that? No, I didn't. Didn't know what we were eating for dinner. But um, the questions are judgmental because of an inflection. Why did you do that? Who did it? When? Now, here's the rule. When someone goes parental, almost inherently, the person that's the non-parent in the fight goes child, meaning they kind of withdraw, they ignore, they get a little mad. They kind of get petulant. They're like, they're not going to – I'm not taking your junk. Get out of my face. Now, 
that's by the way, that's not just male female. That's kind of a tendency we have because when we've been at you all know the moment you would no longer listen to your mom yell at you anymore. When this man is hearing her ask all these questions, in his head he's subtly thinking, Oh my word, you sound like my mother. Now, not that she's bad. It's just you've put yourself above me in a position that now you're telling me what to do to get a tooth out of my child's mouth. And here goes the fight. His ego gets in play. His ego starts fighting her. When he goes when, – when he's tired of being child, he'll go parent. When he goes parent, she probably goes child and gets sad and walks away. You never listen to me. You don't even care how hard I clean. I'm the one that had to fix the drain. I'm the one that has to pay for this. Whatever. That's the typical male-female parent-child pursuer-withdrawer pattern. If we don't fix that – so here's the solution. Instead of going parent – or instead of going child, why don't we just go adult and have one person step in there and say, hey, and then give data and description. I'm noticing that there's some toilet paper in the drain. Um, I'm worried it might clog. What's up? And then get some more information. Usually if you'll just describe the problem without a judgment, like don't say you idiot. I'm just noticing there's some toilet paper in the drain. I'm worried it might have we might get a clog because of it. What's up? You might get some information that like how about this? Yeah, I was just keeping that there so that snake doesn't come back up out of the drain. Whoa, okay, brilliant. Good job, honey. Maybe stick a fork down there too. All of a sudden there's more data that will always come. But instead what we do is we fight, we don't describe what's happening, we describe our feelings and then we judge it and we judge the other. And once you start describing with judgment and anger and frustration, guess what? Game on. Don't go parent-child. Go adult. And instead of reacting to what's when you see someone's mad and questioning, just, hey, I got it. Okay, let me give you some data about what we're doing here. And you're right. I do tend to leave stuff in the drain, so let me get it out of there. I'm sorry. Let's not ask any more questions. Here we go. Done. Taken care of. Anyway, that's tough. But you know what? That actually is a very common male-female pattern. So think about it in your own life. If you are stuck in these patterns, let's get some help. One way to do that is keep listening to the radio show every Monday through Friday right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Or go to my website at Matt Townsend. Just look Matt Townsend up on Facebook. Um, or go to matttownsend.com, and, and you can pick up some uh, great tools, advice. There's a lot of videos that you can watch there as well. Thanks for joining us, friends, and thanks for learning to help us uh, not procrastinate anymore. I also so appreciate Skyboy, who finally has learned the importance of being on time, so much so that we're 43 seconds left, late. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Join us again tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.